Hi there and welcome to the Natural Resources Wales podcast mini-series on flood risk management. My name's Kerry and Gingell and I work here at Natural Resources Wales. In this series you'll hear from the different teams who work together to reduce the risk of flooding to communities in Wales. This will give you a really good overview of what flood risk is, what we're doing to manage it in Wales and what impact the climate emergency is having on flood risk in Wales both now and in the future. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Natural Resources Wales Flood Risk Management mini-series. Today I'm joined by David Sidgwick, who's going to talk to us a little bit about the Capital Programme. So this is the programme responsible for construction and maintenance of our flood risk management assets. So welcome, Dav, and thanks for joining us. And thanks for taking the time to speak to me. So to start off, I wonder if perhaps we could learn a little bit about you. So tell us about your background, perhaps your education or career path, but basically how you've ended up here managing the Capital Programme. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I always enjoyed uh, geography and maths at school. I studied uh, geography, physics and maths at A-level. Um, yep. I was keen to go to universities to study some form of uh, physical geography, but my main concern at the time was to go to Cardiff University. Um, yeah. Not too far, but far enough from home. Um, I also looked at Aberystwyth, Liverpool... I think Cardiff was definitely my preference. So then I sort of looked at what courses they had rather than looking for a specific course and seeing what which universities yeah. offered it. So Cardiff do, and still do, marine geography. Um, mm-hmm. And that sits within the Earth Sciences Department. So I got um, got required grades and was offered a place there. So the first year is like a generic Earth Sciences course and then you can move on to more specialist courses in the second and third years, like marine geography exploration geography geology things like that mm-hmm. i didn't actually i didn't enjoy my first year at all um but i stuck at it and then when we when it kicked into marine geography and those models started rolling in i started to enjoy it a bit more um, that was a bit more up your street then yeah but then after finishing university i didn't see myself using my degree at all really um i'm moving into that type of industry i i, I i'd had enough of it I, I wanted to do something completely different um, yep. However, I'd say about two years of temp work and dabbling and trying to be a cameraman for some reason <laughs> made me think again and started to think a bit you know, long term. So I saw saw like a job, saw jobs advertised with the Environment Agency. So it's like a big, yep. advertising loads of jobs, like a big uh, recruitment drive. And it was an mm. organisation that I'd heard of. Um, I'm not sure how I'd heard of it. I just just knew of it. Um, I didn't maybe know it. through the university, perhaps. Mm. Maybe through you know careers fairs and things. Or? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I I don't remember going to a careers fair to be honest. But uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know anyone who worked for them, and I hadn't spoken to anyone who did. But I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just the vans or something. I'd, I'd heard of them anyway. Um, yeah. So I'd heard of them somehow. So I played for a few jobs at various places, including the Vimed Agency, and I ended up with two job offers on the table. One was sort of in industry and one was yeah. with the Vibe Agency. The industrial job was slightly more money, but I felt that there'd be more sort of job security working for a government organisation, better working conditions, maybe more job opportunities yeah. down the line, thought it'd be safer. So I went yeah. for that. Um, so I got a job in the water quality permitting department. So I can't say I was particularly 
drawn to the role or the work. It was more about sort of getting my foot into the door in a big organisation and then sort of establish myself and look to move on, which I did. Yeah. So I did that for yeah. 12 months. Then I applied for a job with the hydrometry and telemetry team. So I really enjoyed that. Did that, did that for about six years. And then, you know, you do a job for that long. You know, you start assessing your options to progress. And then mm. I decided to move teams to try and move up the ranks. Um, yeah. So I moved over to Frederick's management. And I've been here for about seven years managing the Cardiff programme. Um, at that time, I relocated from Cardiff to North Wales. And a sort of big, major benefit for me was that I could continue in the same role, even though I had moved. So yeah. um, that doesn't sound... That's surprising now, sort of post-pandemic, but pre-COVID times, it was quite unheard of. It was a big positive that I could stick to keep the same job. So it was very yeah. diff- different back then. So, yeah, so that's what yeah, I Yeah, it was, today. but that, yeah, and the flexibility's always been there, hasn't it? Even, like you say, before the pandemic. So, uh, yeah. you know, lots of benefits, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever so done that you- in industry, so... No, probably not. I mean, maybe sort of post-pandemic, but, yeah, certainly mm-hmm. not before, I don't think. Um. So did you always have an interest in the environment or in water management or, or was it sort of something you fell into? Um, I always enjoyed geography. I think my degree moved it towards marine. Um, I, did, yeah. I, I didn't opt for the course because it was marine. It was more the location. Um, yeah. But, but I, I didn't study anything regarding flooding in school or, or degree level. It was, you know, I did geography from what? Between ages eleven and twenty one, I didn't do a single model in flooding. It was all, yeah. um, you know, the Amazon and hurricanes and volcanoes, uh, yeah. which is why I think a podcast like this is a good idea to help you. Well, help you learn about flood risk in Wales, really. I stu- yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I studied one or two models at university, which were relevant to my job. So it was GIS, hydrography. There's a little bit about climate change, very little. It was referred to, yeah. it was referred to as global warming back then. But yeah. it was not really relevant at all. So looking back, learning about flooding, how it's managed, you know, could have been would have been more relevant, really, and interesting than lav and tribes and whatever else. <laughs> I mean, did. those things are interesting as well, but perhaps well, not so much when you're linking it to to working in flood risk management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So, yeah, so working for the Environment Agency and now Natural Resources Wales has definitely got me more interested. Uh, an environment and water in particular. I think working yeah. in hydrometry gave, gave me a greater understanding of how water is managed and monitored and how that sort of underpins everything we do. And then moved yeah. over to flood and it sort of gave me more sort of specific knowledge and how that data is used in practice. So I got... You know, so to see in both ends yeah, of the spectrum, how I suppose. Yeah, and how it's used, yeah. yeah. So I'm glad I've worked in different roles, different teams. So it's given me a sort of wider knowledge of the organisation. And um, yeah. water management in general. Yeah, which is useful as well because, you know, as you say, you kind of move around, you you pick up different things and yeah. it, it helps you see kind of a bigger picture as well. But it's so. interesting to, to hear all of that and how you've got to where you are today. Um, so I suppose the next question really then, now that we've heard about you, is is what is the capital programme? You manage that, but what is it? What does it do? Um, well, OK, so people tend to think, as I did, as I did, uh, that money is just money. But in yeah. my line of work, uh, that's not the case. So you've got revenue and you've got capital. So that is day-to-day versus one-off funding. So building a bridge versus maintaining a bridge. 
Okay, so the building a bridge would be the one-off and then the maintaining the bridge is sort of an ongoing thing. Yeah, so so revenue yeah. in its simplest form is uh, money used to fund the day-to-day activities we undertake. So it would be maintenance yeah. work, cutting the grass on flood embankments, minor repairs to assets. So it's, work, it's ongoing work that doesn't have an end date. So capital okay. funding then is for, is for projects, so it's for so one-off costs to build something or deliver something. So... Okay. The easiest way to explain it would be building a flood wall. So capital funding would be used to build the wall. And once it's built, you'd need to maintain that using revenue funding. Okay, so you've got sort of two different aspects yes. then within the, the overall programme. Okay. Well, yeah, so, so, so the capital programme then obviously focuses on capital. So Capital side, anyone, yeah. Anyone who's managing a capital project that will require capital flood risk management funding that'll sit in the capital programme. So it ranges right. from multi-million pound flood schemes, like ones we've done recently um, in Roth and Cardiff or St. Asaph, North Wales, to purchasing yeah. new tractors and 4x4s, uh, oh, right. developing uh, new software systems, like our flood warning system, flood modelling projects, yeah. looking at how you know the sources of flooding, how it can be managed, to small sort of earthworks or tidal gates being replaced, that type of thing. So it's like yeah. I don't know, hundred and fifty projects each year in the program, and it's an average. Wow. An average, I reckon, is about seventeen million pound, um, spent each year. But that fluctuates. Mm. So, so next year, I think we should, we're looking to spend about twenty-two million pound. So it all depends on okay. what projects we've got lined up, how much resource we've got, how much money there is available for us to to spend, and then um, yeah, but that that's it. That's it in a nutshell, really. Yeah. Okay. So, um, why do we need the capital program then? So, how do we decide where that money goes and which projects get that funding? Um, well, so we we need a capital program, I suppose, to maintain the existing defences and software systems we've got, but also to deliver new schemes and new systems, mm. buy purchase new equipment to enable us to undertake our our day to day, you know, the the day to day work that, that, that I was talking about, the revenue or bread and butter type work. We need equipment yeah. and systems to do that. So you'd be purchasing them by the cattle program. Um, and ultimately, is to manage the risk posed by flooding to protect people and property. So it's yeah. it's all done on a risk based approach. That's important. So we have to prioritize mm. the work we do to undertake um, and operate in the specific budgets. So we take many things in consideration like um, the level of risk there is to a specific community, recent flood events, opportunities to deliver wider benefits, the economic viability, um, the technical, environmental, social viability of, of schemes, lots of things you've got to consider. And then you've got to fo- mm. focus our efforts then on the most at-risk communities in Wales. Um, right. So is that the, the communities that have the highest risk of being sort of affected by flooding yes and also yeah. if it does flood how much what is the risk um you know if it does flood some places might be you know, low level flooding but other places you're talking about um severe risk to life and things like that so all that's taken into right. account so yeah so it's taken in those most at risk groups yes then. yes and then yeah. okay. work, you can split the work again then into whether it's reactive or proactive so proactive work would be using our flood maps to help get a better understanding of where the risk is. And then you'd look to deliver flood schemes somewhere before it floods. 
So you're looking at your maps yeah. and okay, that there's a risk there. We'll build a scheme so it never happens. Whereas the reactive right. stuff is work that takes place in response to a flood event. So you know, obviously we'd like all our projects to be proactive, but you know, the reality mm. is that's not possible for all sorts of reasons. But yeah, of that's course. the sort of that's the sort of mix of stuff we've got. Um, yeah, and then so that we have def- we've got defenses all over the country as well as like a flood warning system that gives people the opportunity to prepare themselves and their properties before a flood takes place. And then mm-hmm. these systems and defences, they, you know, they protect thousands of properties across the country every time there's heavy rainfall. So yeah. one thing to flag read is that um, those instances don't necessarily make good headlines and rarely, you know, they don't make the news. You don't, you don't hear about, you only, the only time you hear about flooding is when properties have been affected and one needs to be done yeah. about it. So that obviously yeah. that's really important and we take that up is, very yeah. seriously. But I think it's mm. important to highlight that thousands of homes don't flood when it rains because they're benefiting yeah. from either defences or our you know our warning systems. So that's that's Yeah. The sort of the, the positive side of it, I yeah. suppose, is that, you know, there there are those instances where these things that have been put in place to protect people have worked and mm. as you say that doesn't necessarily get reported on so no. um yeah i think probably good to point that one out but it sounds like the capital program does cover quite a lot but i suppose really in a nutshell all of the projects in it are, are trying in some way or other to help protect communities from flooding so is there always something that can be done and and if there's not well what do we do we, then? well society you know we have to we have to accept that you can only really manage flooding. You can, yes, we. You can sometimes stop it to a certain limit or height. You know, you can delay it, which would be more time for people yeah. to prepare. But ultimately, there's only so much that can be done, especially when we talk about defences. Because flooding, it's a natural ph- phenomenon. It's, it's a big societal problem. So it's something that we all need to be aware of, especially mm. with the effects of climate change, bringing about the potential you know, for more frequent and severe weather. You know, it's, yeah. know, that's going to increase the risk of flooding. So we can't build. What we always say is, you can't build. We can't build ourselves out to trouble. You got to, you got to like a joined up approach that features all the different elements of flood risk management. So yes, mm. we can build and maintain defences, and we have to, and we, and we do. But we also need to think about things like um, reducing the number of homes being built on floodplains, for example, or warning and informing yeah. people of possible flooding, making homes more resilient. Yeah catchment management, using natural measures, um, holding water back, coastal adaptation, managing alignment, all those things are important. So yeah. what I always say is concrete has its place, but so does, you know, advising planners, using green engineering materials, uh, retreating from the coastline, things like that. It's all, it all has to play a part. But the, rea- yeah. the reality is, though, we, unfortunately, we can't protect everywhere. We have to implement a risk-based approach um prioritize our work based on all the evidence we've got available really um yeah so yeah and it's and i suppose that's a key thing as well it's all evidence-based it's all kind of you know it's, it's not just stuff plucked out of thin air there's no. lots of research there's lots of evidence there's lots of um you know things to kind of back up the reasons for those decisions isn't there yeah and I guess, you know, climate change, really, it's it's going to just make these things even more challenging, isn't it? So protecting communities in Wales at risk from flooding is going to be perhaps more difficult in future. It's absolutely. Um, all that stuff I've just summarised there, that, that will be affected by climate change and the risk is going to continue to increase. So there's all, yeah. there's all sorts of projects in the capital programme that are driven by the risk of climate change. 
So most of our flood mm. schemes will have, um, like the defences, will have climate change uh, projections built into them. So, for example, okay. if we're building something, the foundations would be built wider than necessary to enable us to build them higher in future if needed, for example. Okay. Or okay. Um, the risk posed by climate change will already be factored into height of defence, so it'll be higher than it's needed because we know in, in, in 50, 60 centimetres time it'll need to be a bit higher, so we'll build it at that a little bit higher. But as I said earlier, yeah. we can't, you can't build yourself out of trouble. That's just one bit of it. So there's other yep. projects in the programme then looking at alternative ways to manage the risk. So coastal adaptation, for example, where we assess if we need to retreat from the coastline or uh, look at more nature-based solutions. Um, there's yeah. also other projects that sit outside the capital programme that could lead to future works. So one project is our long-term investment requirements project, and that looks at how climate change projections affect our asset base. So that's the number of defences we've got, you know, the cost of okay. maintaining them, cost of raising them if needed, um, whether it's economical to do so, all that type of stuff with climate change in mind. Yeah, absolutely. So it's complicated then, isn't it? And, you know, it doesn't sound as if really there is one magic answer, which I think everybody kind of hopes there is really with climate change, but it just doesn't work that way, does it? So uh, it, it is a complicated picture. Yeah. Um. It's been really good talking to you today. Thank you for giving up your time to talk to me. It's been really interesting to hear about all of the work that you do and, and the projects that are going on and um, how it all kind of works to protect communities in Wales and offer a bit more resilience as, against flooding. Um, before I let you go, though, can you let me know what's the most rewarding part of the job? What do you enjoy the most? Um, yeah, I try not to be too corny, but it's... Um... <laughs> It's, 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 it's the variety of the work, but it's also the people I work with as well. Because yeah. I work with a host of different people from, from different teams across the business on different projects. There's so many, there's so many different things in the programme. I get to you know, work with a, a range of people. And there's always something different on the corner. So it might be a new, mm. a new sort of adaptive way to manage the risk of flooding, or a new large-scale flood scheme, for example, or some new computer system that I've never heard of. Um, and we need you know, to help, help provide the evidence we need to make decisions and um, yeah just work with so many different people really on you know, different projects never dull always learning and uh, yeah good okay thank you um, that was really interesting so thank you again for giving up your time to talk to us I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any comments or questions, you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or by the email address that you can find in the show notes. You'll also find links to our flood risk management pages where you can view some of the things we've talked about here today. Thanks for listening.